we're back on our uh, our weekly Q and A podcast. I'm here with uh, Jaime. Say hello, Jaime. Hey, how is everyone doing? We are. Uh, we've really enjoyed uh, recording this and uh, taking your questions and uh, taking another pass at some of the things we've touched on on a Sunday. And we're glad to do it as well again this week. We this past week we were in Philippians four. If you missed Sunday and are tuning in the podcast, or if you're just tuning in from Outside of Chatham Community Church, we were in Philippians 4, where uh, Paul invites us or exhorts us or actually commands us to rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice, and he talks about not being anxious about anything. And uh, we had uh, some great conversations afterwards with a variety of people, um, particularly around anxiety, which I think is sort of an epidemic of our age and our culture. And so I uh, wanted to, first off, maybe take a pass for everyone to hear from both me and Jaime kind of our, our take on anxiety and how to uh, how the scripture helps us to overcome it and equip uh, equips us to overcome it. So Jaime, you want to take a pass at uh, what your take on anxiety and how scripture helps us to overcome it? Yeah, well, I I, I, I would say that um, when, it, when we're talking about anxiousness, it feels so prevalent in our culture that one of the first things that I, I think stands out to me is how much we normalize an anxious state. Uh, uh-huh. And uh, so it can almost feel like we don't even notice that we're anxious because we're so used to it. It feels so normative and so normal that uh, that we don't pay attention. It's hard to imagine that there can be something different. And I, I appreciate that in the passage that we read, there there are a bunch of other words. There's rejoicing, there's thanksgiving, there's gentleness, and there's peace. And what strikes me about those is that they don't feel like they can coexist with anxiousness, mm-hmm. at least not for very long. Uh, I talked yesterday that it feels like they occupy a similar thought space and a, a similar heart space. Um, so there, there's ways in which uh, anxiousness in some ways can feel like a check engine light or it feels like a, an opportunity to investigate uh, how we're doing in, in, in our thought life. Uh, particularly in, as it relates to our gentleness, our rejoicing, our gratitude, and and our peace. Um, and I invited people to take a moment and just to assess uh, where they were on gentleness. Did it feel like their gentleness was being disturbed? Did it feel like they had a diminished capacity to rejoice? Did it feel like um, their ability to be uh, full of gratitude was inconsistent or was interrupted? And did it feel like peace was something that was just feeling com- consistently eroded. And uh, if that was true, then then perhaps that they were feeling more anxious than they realized. Uh, and I think that's a helpful way to come at it because anxiousness can be so normalized that it can be hard to even think, oh, I'm anxious. But if we're having a hard time being gentle, if we're having a hard time rejoicing, if we're having a hard time with peace, if we're having a hard time with gratitude – then I think that's an indicator that perhaps our ang- our anxiousness level is higher than we uh, than we realize. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I think one of the one of the values of even this passage of talking about this week was sort of helping helping us to see ourselves or stepping outside our th- our flow of thoughts and begin to kind of go, oh, maybe anxiety is more at work in me than I even realize because it is so normal, right? Mm-hmm. Our baseline becomes just, well, I'm anxious, or I don't even realize I'm anxious. Um, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I, 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 the the idea that it's become so normalized and that our baseline has changed it disturbs me because it it can it so much can be can be lost and gained in our thought life that normalizing a condition that is less than ideal 
uh, is just painful. I, I think it's one of the the traps of of our of our current reality, our current world, that we get used to a life that is less than the full good that God has for us. Mm-hmm. And so I appreciate that this passage paints a picture that says that we can aspire to something else, something different. And uh, one of the things that I think uh, is helpful is to even take a moment to assess what our thought life is like. I, I mentioned yesterday that we, you know, we almost think without thinking, right? Thinking happens without thinking. Right. It's, it's so, so much a part of us that we don't often assess, we don't often filter, we don't often consider. Uh, and maybe this has happened to you, Alex, but it happens to me often that uh, I will sort of come to and realize that I've spent sometimes hours just in my thoughts. So much has happened unchecked and unfiltered that uh, that I think it's important to take a moment to take a step and say, oh, what is my thought life like? What is going on there? Because uh, so much is formed in us because of what we think Absolutely. and how we think. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think the uh, – I told a story yesterday about sort of uh, one morning waking up and sort of I was, I was shaving. It was like first four minutes of my day I started to shave and, and, and I – Feel like I was looking in the mirror, and I feel like the Lord helped me mirror to my thought life. And I realized in the first four minutes of my day, I already had sort of this toxic mixture of sort of discouraged thoughts, shame-filled thoughts, angry conversations in my head. Like, and I, and I, and I started realizing, wow, like, my question was, how often does this happen to me? Like, how often do I not even realize it? And I feel like the, uh, the, the voice of the Lord said, lots. <laughs> you know, like, this is, like, this is a thing that happens on a regular basis. The rest of us slouch in these conversations. Or, uh, and and, and uh, the way, the things I habituate or allow to go unchecked, like to use your word, um, that creates a certain culture in my head, an environment in my head of how I, and that's, that's going to, that's going to shape how I deal with, uh, my kids, my wife, uh, kids, people calling on me off in traffic, right? That like in some ways my RPMs, what am I rubbing at? It's going to shape how I process various and sundry other things. And certainly as you, as you said, it's going to shape my ability to be gentle to all or, uh, be grateful or to rejoice, right? These other things are going to come. Uh, they're going to be significant hindrances if anxiety is sort of driving the the dominant voice or the dominant culture in my head. It's going to uh, impede my ability to sort of uh, express those other wonderful things the scripture invites us to. Yeah. Was there an additional take on anxiousness that, that you had? Yeah. I love the Czech Angelite image. My, uh, my, my image is uh, sort of anxiety as rumble strips for our souls that, uh, that alert us. That, that anxiety essentially is... I go back to Genesis 1 and 2 that God gives us dominion or authority, and it's a limited sphere of dominion and authority. And in a fallen world, there's always stuff outside of our spheres that we wish we could control, but we can't, right? So I can't control the weather. I can't control uh, my friends making bad decisions, and I, I wish I could stop that, but I can't. Or uh, or my kids, I can't control things that might affect them. And I, you know, I can, try, I can minimize those things, but I can't control all of them. And so there's all kinds of things that we want to control, but we can't control. And so anxiety is rumble strips that we've reached the edge of our dominion or authority or sphere of influence. And, uh, and so there's, I think there's a biblical answer or response. One is to expand our dominion, which is like to go to work and learn something. So uh, when I first had kids, I was nervous about changing diapers. And then I figured out how to change diapers. Then it wasn't that hard anymore, right? Or uh, first, day of, first day of a new job, you're nervous about just being in a new job. You don't, know, you don't know what's going on. But as you're as you get more confident about whatever, then you get more and more um, uh, more settled in it. And there's less anxiety. So the idea of like, is this an expand my dominion? Is anxiety the sign? Do I need to expand my dominion, learn a new skill? Uh, talked yesterday about like, some of you need to like take a class, read a book, like find a mentor, watch a YouTube video. Like you're nervous about something and you don't know what to do with, about it, but you just need to go and like learn something. You're nervous about your finances because you haven't done 
any kind of work on that. Like there's work you could do to go get smarter about your financial picture, right? So so learn some things. Sometimes that's a, a sign that like as an image bearer, made in God's image, you've got ability to kind of go learn some things. Uh, but then obviously there's all kinds of things that we can't control no matter you can't study about you know you can't manage the stock market you can't manage your your uh your your maybe your parents or your grown children's decisions right and at that point you have to embrace your limits right and and with like the rumble strips are a sign that you want to control something you can't control and no literally you can't control that no matter how hard you work and so sort of that's that that's that uh in the passage it talks about in everything with prayer and petition with thanksgiving sort of make your request known to God, this idea of sort of surrendering those sort of things that you can't control. And that's the, that's the invitation into peace, right? The sort of letting go of uh, things you can't control and saying, I'm a limited, I'm a limited creature. My authority has limits and I want to control something I can't control. Is this an expand my dominion situation or just embrace my limits kind of situation? And uh, I think when we can begin to sort of I think I think what that does for me, anyways, it gets me unstuck. So I'm like, I'm not just looping on anxiety. It helps me to kind of, uh, at least, I, I at least can kind of begin to make the decisions in line with that, in line with, uh, oh, you know what? No, I'm I'm nervous about this, but I just need to go get some answers. I just need to go talk to somebody and get some help on it. Or do I just need to be like, you know what? I'm I, I need to decide and then redecide and redecide to sort of surrender that to the Lord in a deeper way and say I can't control this and gotta let it go. So that's been a helpful tool for me and some things that resonate with some folks. Uh, Yesterday would so that was a it's a fun way to think about it and helpful um, way to kind of engage with anxiety. Yeah, that's great. Um, one of the key turning points in the passage feels uh, like like this idea that God is with us. Um, so I mean, he's the peace of God stands uh, sort of at the guard of our hearts and our minds, uh, and 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 uh, protects us in a way. And and uh, God's peace will be with us. There's uh, there's there's this sense that God is right there. And the the phrase that summarizes it really powerfully is right in verse five. It says, "The Lord is near." Uh, so we had someone ask us a question: uh, What what ha- what do we do, or, or what happens when it when the Lord feels near, but it feels like He's merely near as a passive bystander? So wh- like, what would you respond? How would you respond to the person asking this question? Uh, it's such a great question, and uh, it is. It is sometimes I think, from in my own experience, uh, one of the most spiritually sort of frustrating experiences to feel like, okay, I I know that God is supposed to be with me or is near me and isn't doing anything, and that's that can be uh, can be maddening. So, um, uh, some a couple quick takes or passes on that. One, one is that the uh, the presence of the Lord is in some ways the most consistent promise of scripture. In some ways it's the it's the goal of the scripture, right? That God would like that at, at the revelation passage, God himself will be with his people, he'll be their God, they'll be his people. No, nothing nothing between God and his people. So in some ways the 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 nearness of the Lord in this life is a foretaste of sort of the the goal of all of creation and all God's work in redemptive history is sort of that that proximity, that relationship, um, that connection. Uh, what we want out of that is for God to do something more proactive in, in, in situations. Um, and there's mystery behind why God, sometimes God acts in very decisive ways. And um, there's been some seasons in my life where like God is, God's fingerprints are so all over the place that I just, I'm just trying to keep up and along for the ride. And then there's been times when I feel like it's been a long dry spell and the Lord, I know the Lord is near cognitively, um, but there's not a sense of his engagement, active presence. And I think in those situations, in those situations, I had to kind of keep coming back to what I know is true about Jesus, that uh, that in um, 
in his own earthly life, the, uh, the the presence of God did not mean that there weren't suffering, challenges, setbacks, heartbreak, and uh, and even you know there's the time there's the ultimately leading him into the place of self sacrifice and sacrificial giving, and so I think. Uh, I think, at least for me, my first pass at that would be: What does it mean to What does it mean to receive the Lord's the Lord's nearness as a gift, and and even in the silence, as well as in the uh, activeness, uh, the seasons where God's very active? How do we receive that? And then, and then I, I think pairing with that is this question of. Um, what are my expectations that that means, and what do, what do, what do I expect God to do? What would I like God to do? Um, if Jesus is here and present with me, what are the things that I that I, that are fair to expect or not fair to expect? And there's there's been times when I've been like, I think it's fair to expect this. I still I, I got, God's near. I'm frustrated. And I think it's still fair to say uh, that uh, that God's that the Lord's nearness should make a difference here in a different kind of a way. And I think in at the at the end of those experiences, for me personally. Like that's when I have my most sort of sober minded, like, uh, was it, is it Job who says, though he slay me, I will still trust in him sort of a thing. Like a lot of these experiences where, okay, you're not doing anything here. If I were you, I would, <laughs> I don't understand why you're not doing anything here. Um, and, at, and, and I'm having, and, and at this point it is merely, uh, for me kind of raw faith at a couple levels. One is. In the present moment, two is also this is when it's helpful for me to reflect on the past, God's faithfulness in the past. There's throughout the Old Testament, particularly sort of building monuments, memorials, Ebenezer's remembrances of God's faithfulness in the past. I, I come back to that. That's a that's a thing. That's a discipline that I do mm-hmm. when I'm most soft hearted. Like when I'm frustrated with God for not doing anything, and the Lord not doing anything. I don't really care about what He's done in the past. I don't want to deal with it. Um, but in the, in the moments when I'm when I'm genuinely wrestling with it, I come I come back to well, where have I seen the Lord's faithfulness in the past? And that that uh, this, is, this is a John Piper quote. Sort of past grace gives me fuel to trust in future grace. This idea that God's grace has walked with me previously, and I continue to trust in it, even if in a season, even if in this moment, uh, it, it feels absent and a little bit a uh, little bit dry in a place where I really long for Him to move. Um, I try to lean back into God. Okay, well, you've been faithful in the past, and I can trust that you'll continue to be faithful in the future. So those are some exercises I do that kind of help me to to sit in the uh, the the quiet of the absence in those moments. What about you, honey? Yeah, I I, um, I I think that it it may feel like God that the Lord is a passive bystander. I don't believe that He ever is a passive mm-hmm. bystander. I believe the Lord is always at work. And so there's a couple of things. The first is, um, well, and you mentioned one, so it's actually three. The, fir- the first one I would say is the remembering. I think that's key. Uh, I think we often struggle with uh, uh, sort of a, um, an amnesia of the Lord's work in our lives. And it even goes to the extent of there are times where we could tell a story of our past and say, you know, in the moment I didn't see the Lord's work and I thought he wasn't there and then I realized and then the next time we find ourselves in one of those situations where we can't see what the Lord is doing, we again go into that place where we're like, the Lord is not doing anything. Yeah. The Lord is passive. So, so going to the past, I, I, won't, I won't linger on that one because you, you already went there. I think that's important. Um, the second is, uh, uh, are we open to the Lord's activity being different than what we expect? Right. Um, so I think the Lord is always active. Are we willing to receive his activity if it looks differently than what we expected? Uh, I think, uh, I think that's, that's, that's crucial. Uh, that's crucial. 
Um, and uh, lastly, uh, is uh, that in in this I in this sense of anxiousness, I don't think the Lord is ever a passive bystander. I I do think that that there are there are seasons where it feels like the Lord's work is delayed. I I, I believe that. On this anxiousness one, I don't see any redemptive purpose. Not that I see necessarily redemptive purpose in other situations always, but but with anxiousness, I don't see any valid reason for God wanting us to linger in anxiousness. Uh, and so I, I always think that the Lord is near to exchange our anxiousness for peace. And, uh, and it's not that there aren't things worth being anxious over. It's that the Lord's instruction is still don't be anxious about anything, even the things that feel like they're worth, that they're important, that they're weighty. Um, the Lord is near to actually be active in replacing that anxiousness with peace so that we can experience the peace, so that we can rejoice, so that we can be gentle and, and live in thanksgiving. So, so my at least when it comes to anxiousness, my invitation would always be is if the Lord feels like a passive bystander, is he perhaps waiting for you to hand him the thing you're anxious over? Uh, that would be my instruction. Now, there are other times where it feels like the Lord's work is delayed. And so I think one thing is remembering. The other is receiving the Lord's activity if it's different. The other is to take a step back because it might feel like the Lord is not active in this particular sort of focused area that I'm looking at. Mm-hmm. But if you take a step back, you can probably see his activity all around. And so it stops feeling like the Lord is simply a passive bystander it, it, it starts to feel like, well, here's all the ways in which the Lord is active, which means he'll be active here at some point. And that's sort of how I would approach that question. Yeah, it's great. I think the idea of sort of um, if, if God's not uh, doing something in this particular area that I'm sort of fixated on, uh, if he's not active there, then where is he active, right? Mm-hmm. So where, where am, I, am, I, am I open to the Lord having different priorities for me, mm-hmm. right? Or different priorities for the situation or the season in my life where I think this is the most important question. And the Lord says, no, that's not the most important thing. That's, that's not the most important thing on my agenda. And am I okay with that? Um, that's, uh, that, can be, that can be hard to receive that. It can, be, it can almost be harder than passivity sometimes. But, the, uh, but yeah, I think that, 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 that invitation to zoom out, I think that's, uh, that's great. That's, that's really good. Yeah. Well, that's all the questions we have for today. Thanks, y'all, for uh, chiming in, and uh, we invite you to drop us some more questions as we continue to walk on the way with Jesus together. Have a great week, folks.